Welcome to the game. T-Town Tide 100.9. Remember to download the Tide 100.9 app. It is a free download. Android, iPhone, Google Play, Tide109.com. Also, when we talk about the listing devices, you can simply enable the Tide 100.9 skill and listen to us that way. Uh, You could also dial in straight to the website, Tide109.com. And also, if you're here in the immediate area or maybe out in Pickens County, uh, you can listen to us on 1230 WTBC. Uh, we're going to talk some Alabama Crimson Tide football. And, you know, last night uh, was just happened to flip on, I guess it was ESPN. And there's a lot of doubters around the University of Alabama. And I think we've probably doubted some. But I think uh, as the the season has progressed, that, that doubt has turned into confidence. I think you would possibly agree. Uh, and today we're going to focus on one thing. When you look at the University of Alabama, what do you think needs to improve the most? Now, we could do five different things that we could improve, but I think when you you look at it, what is a priority? Now, think about the things that we're looking at, right? Penalties, that could be reduced. The offensive line could play better. Certainly, Jalen Milrow uh, could, could play better. The running backs could play better. The wide receivers could play better. Uh, punt returns can be a problem that we've given up massive uh, yards, and I think I told you guys 70 yards in the Arkansas game. Uh, they're looking at a possibly another punter, uh, punt returner. Uh, you know, I know Isaiah Bond was talking today to the members of the media and said that he did that in the high school side of things, and he's been working on it here at Alabama. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, because you don't want this to impact Kool-Aid McKinnistry's play on the defensive side of the field. So when you think about the punt returners, um, it, it's it's been an issue for Alabama. I think when you look at special teams, that's been somewhat of a strength, right? You got the kicker, you got the punter, uh, the punter that can flip the field. You got Will Riker that almost feels automatic. It should not feel this way, but it does. Anything inside fifty, you just feel like Will Riker's going to step up and he's going to put it between the uprights. So you feel pretty good there. But uh, the return game, maybe you get a little bit more out of that uh, when you talk about the punt returning side and even not even the return of just fielding the punt uh, would be one area. So we'll ask you today, when you look at Alabama, because we judge Alabama at a different standard until we change this, and maybe we'll debate that when you look at changing the standard. The standard's always been very simple. It's to win a championship, win a national title. Nothing else is considered a success. It's not your words, not my words, not Mason's words. It's not Paul and Lincoln or Dawson or... Robert or anybody else that participates in our show, it's Nick Saban. He's used those words, right? He said, don't waste a failure. That's after winning 11 football games. Don't waste a failure. How many times have we heard that around here? Don't waste a failure. So in other words, they're labeling non-championship seasons as a failure. So when you look at the University of Alabama, you got four games left. You've got LSU, a big one. 
you've got Kentucky on the road, another big one. You come back and you've got a cleanup game for Chattanooga before you get ready to play Auburn. And if you're able to win some of those games, you go to Atlanta and play Georgia. So we could talk about a five-game stretch, really, if you're able to have success. You win LSU, you win Kentucky, you win Chattanooga, you win Auburn, and you go to Atlanta and play Georgia. But when you look at this football team, for you to have that confidence that this Alabama team, and really I think back about where we were at a couple of three, four weeks ago uh, following that Texas loss and where we're at now. You know, if it's like a barometer uh, where it was at then and where it's at now. I mean, just think about that. Visualize that in your head for just a couple of minutes of where this confidence is around this football team. And I think the defense has set the tone for this side of the play, right? It, it has set the tone. It's allowed even Saturday we could go back and we could talk about this Alabama football team. That defense kept them close. They kept them with a striking distance that allowed the offense to even have a role in that second half. So the defense set the tone. Uh, but even Alabama's offense, I think you've got to be able to say that they're playing better. Uh, Jermaine Burton, I don't think any of us, very few of us, like the, the talk, right? The after-the-play behavior, the the way that but that's just who he is. But uh, when you look at the talent, uh, it's hard to argue and deny that uh, that talent is there. And it looks like he may be taking over that wide receiver room. I think that's pretty uh, pretty obvious, certainly Isaiah Bond would have a role in that as well. So we'll talk about that, some areas that Alabama can improve. Let me go through the guest lineup. We are always powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota. And just for a couple of more days, buy three tires, get that fourth tire for only $1. Buy three tires, get that fourth tire for only $1. And that is the service department, which does a great job of servicing our vehicles. When you look at Tuscaloosa Toyota, they know Toyotas. They know what they're supposed to sound like. And uh, to me, it's the best way to take care of uh, your vehicle because uh, they work on them every single day. So when you think about the service department at Tuscaloosa Toyota, buy three tires, get that fourth tire for only $1. And, you know, they also mail out a bunch of coupons from time to time. It saves you money in the service department. So when you look at the dealership, how about a new Toyota, new Tundra, Tacoma, two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive? How about a Forerunner? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive. How about a Camry? How about a Corolla? How about a Highlander, RAV4? And you'll find out all the pre-owned inventory right there. It's David DeSantis and Tuscaloosa Toyota. We look at the guest lineup today. We're going to talk with Brad Edwards coming up in just a couple of minutes. We're going to have a chance to feature him. Brad has added – now, Now Brad was a longtime uh, veteran of ESPN. Brad has been one of those guys, when you look at the BCS era, think about where Brad was at. When you think about understanding the math that it takes to get to this two spots, we're going to ask him in his opinion. You know, when you look at the BCS era, as we go to college football playoff expansion beyond the four teams, does he think this matches up better with college football? We're going to ask him that coming up in a couple of minutes. So we'll talk with Brad Edwards at 2.15, and then we'll have about an hour that we'll take your phone calls, and then at 3.30, we will talk. Uh, with a great guest and a great friend of mine, Chris Plank, uh, which is Sirius XM Channel 84. We're going to talk about a lot of the national college football, but you know, when you look at the University of Alabama, we're going to tile that together. And then we're going to look ahead to what's happened up in Ann Arbor. And when you look at the Michigan Wolverines, and how does this make you feel about college football? Because, you know, Jim Harbaugh pranced around here, no shirt off at the satellite camps. 
a couple of years ago and, you know, wanted to show up Nick Saban and, you know, have all this mouth. And now he's been kind of caught with his hand in the cookie jar. We're going to talk about that with Chris Plank. Four o'clock, we'll talk to Drew DeArmond. Drew DeArmond coming up at four o'clock. We'll have a chance to feature him. We'll look ahead and we'll even involve him in the conversation that we're talking about here. Where would you like to see this Alabama team improve? Where can they take this next step? What is the number one priority? Nick Saban said they're going to be self-scouting and self-analyzing what they do. That was his words. Where do you think they need to focus on? Practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They'll break and get a couple of days of rest and they get ready to go for LSU when we talk about this game. I was talking to a couple of my handicappers uh, when you look at the spread, and there is some variance here. Uh, the guys out in Vegas told me that at four and a half, they thought it would be a fair number. Uh, then I talked with another guy that said he thought it would be closer to seven, if not at seven. So uh, when you look at Alabama, minus the four and a half to seven, so it'll be a little bit of a range. And you say, well, hold on a minute. I see that there's some lines out. There, There are some lines out there, but they're also limited with the amount that you can spend. So Right now, Alabama minus seven, I think, was on Action Network. I think DraftKings also had it somewhere around six to seven. Uh, but when the line officially opens on Sunday afternoon, where will it be? So uh, that number there at four and a half. We'll talk to Brad Edwards coming up in just a couple of minutes. We'll dive into that. Brad Edwards joins us next. T-Town, Tide, 100.9, 1230 WTBC, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. A fire alert is now in effect for all of Alabama. In addition, a no-burn order has been issued for 32 counties, including all of West Alabama. Republican voters have selected Northport Attorney Brian Brinyark to face Democrat Fayette County Commissioner John Underwood in the January special general election for House District 16. Brinyark took 52% of the vote from Brad Cox in yesterday's special GOP primary. And UA has partnered with Alabama Power and Mercedes to develop new ways to use electric vehicle batteries. The latest local news in Tuscaloosa. Alabama Sports Updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. Hi, Barry Buckner here, and I want to say whether you... 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny and warm this afternoon. Tuscaloosa's high at 82. Tonight, fair with the low at 62. And the weather stays warm and dry tomorrow and Friday. The sky partly to mostly sunny both days. Highs between 80 and 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 80 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The longest-running sports show in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler. On your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here in Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. And uh, we're going to dive into a conversation here with Brad Edwards. We're going to take your phone calls coming up in about 15 minutes, 
9904. We're going to ask you one area that you think Alabama can improve upon. Nick Saban proposed the question yesterday via the, excuse me, Monday at the morning touchdown club there in Birmingham. And uh, we're going to talk about that with Brad Edwards and a lot more. Dynasty by the numbers, why Alabama now owns the greatest decade-plus run in college football history. This was a coffee table book uh, that is BamaDynastyBook.com. Brad Edwards wrote that book. He worked for ESPN. He was a veteran for over 25 years of serving the college football community. And we're going to talk about uh, his new adventure as well. Brad Edwards, it is good to be able to catch up with you. I hope you're having a great day. I am, Ryan. Great to talk to you again. It's been a little while. You know, it's funny because I I wrote that book after the 2020 season, and uh, Alabama has lost a grand total of five games since then. Um, One of them was obviously a national championship game, and and yet it feels like the program's taken a huge step back. I mean, record-wise, I mean, they're they're still up there playing really well, but um, it it just feels like things have changed, but we'll, uh, we'll see if they can you know, keep churning out the W's this season. Yeah, and and Brad, I want to, you know, kind of get just a generic thing. But before I do that, uh, let's talk about things that you're involved in because you're still involved with the game. You've been covering the game in college football, but uh, you've jumped in here with a uh, gridiron and the gospel podcaster. Tell me more. Yeah, so um, after my uh, time at, at ESPN ended, and that was, you know, 25 years, and it was a ton of fun, and I know I talked to you about that before when I was on the, the book tour and, and selling that. But uh, after a, a year dedicated to that book, um, like, okay, i got to do something else with my life now, and uh, actually ended up getting into sales. And so I have a sales job, but I, I wanted to, to stay connected to college football somehow. And uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, George Schroeder, who uh, was a longtime writer, uh, college football writer, he uh, initially was on the Oklahoma beat and then the Oregon beat and then uh, ended up writing for USA Today for, for many years. And uh, anyway, after his time at USA Today, um, he left and he actually went to, went to seminary and uh, became a pastor and uh, connected with him uh, last year, and uh, we just kind of discussed what what could we do to, uh, you know, kind of talk about college football, but at the same time uh, also talk about some things that are even more important to us, um, and and that being our faith. And so uh, we, we started this podcast, and it, like you said, it's called Gridiron and the Gospel, and uh, what we do is we spend uh, uh, a good bit of the, the podcast just talking about college football, just, you know, basic overview kind of national big picture stuff and then um we dedicate you know maybe uh you know a third or so of the podcast to just talking about things that are that are going on in our lives uh that are related to faith and and things that we believe could help other listeners out there maybe with situations that they're going through or you know in some way um inspire them or you know whatever it may be obviously uh, those types of things just reach different people in different ways at different times and so that's our goal is to just still have fun talking about college football, but at the same time um, having a, a bigger purpose to what it is that we do. Well, and you talked about George Schroeder. I always enjoyed talking with him uh, throughout the years. He was a guy that uh, I always uh, enjoyed talking, you know, football with him, but he always had a great faith standpoint. Uh, I believe his son went through a transplant yeah. uh, several years ago. So certainly uh, a battle-tested uh, situation in his Absolutely. life. And I know, He's been an advocate on that front as well. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and they just 
just a really great guy. And like, I mean, I first met George just completely in a college football context. Um, you know, when I was co-hosting College Game Day on ESPN Radio and, and, you know, being a college football writer, especially when he was a national writer, uh, we had him on several times to just talk about basic stuff. And um, that's how I got to know him. And then, uh, you know, it wasn't until uh, much later I realized that we had even more in common. And uh, you're right, his son Christopher um, just was just faced all sorts of, of physical and health problems from the time that he was born. And it was one of those where the odds were against him, um, but there were a whole lot of people praying for him. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, the doctors did a really great job as well. I don't want to shortchange their work, um, but I, I believe God had a hand in it and a uh, big hand. And, and uh, Christopher is, uh, is thriving today uh, despite the, uh, the odds. So uh, anyway, that's been great to watch. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, check it out. You can still connect with Brad on the Twitter account, J. Brad Edwards, J. Brad Edwards on the Twitter account. Hey, Brad, just a generic question. When you look at this Alabama football team, what do you see? <laughs> Earlier in the season, um, I made the comment several times, this looks like the same team from the last two years, just without Bryce Young at quarterback. Um, and that, you know, it's, I don't think it's a knock on Jalen Milrow to say he's not Bryce Young. Obviously, he was number one pick in the draft and won the Heisman Trophy, um, but he's not. Uh, as the season has gone on, though, I, I, I feel like I need to amend that statement uh, to, to say that the defense is better, right? I mean, I, I think at this point it's tough to argue otherwise. Uh, the defense is improved, um, and, and so I, I think this is a team that is capable uh, of winning in – I don't even know if they're capable of – we don't know yet whether they're capable of winning a high-scoring game. Really, the only one they've been in was the Texas game, and they ended up on the wrong end of it. Um, but I, I think they're going to have to win in different ways. And, you know, may, maybe this is a year where they could do that because outside of LSU, I, I'm, I'm not sure who is left on their schedule that really is an offensive juggernaut. And even when you – I mean, obviously Georgia's not this year. I mean, they're still very talented on offense. And I, I don't know whether Brock Bowers would be back for an SEC championship game, but even with him, they haven't exactly lit it up. Um, you know, Ohio State, potential playoff opponent, should Alabama get there? Not the same type of offense we're used to seeing from them either. Uh, they're very good on defense. So I, you look around the country and it's just, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that they would necessarily have to win a shootout uh, to be able to just, keep this train moving for for quite a while longer but uh obviously the margin for error is uh, is, is basically zero at this point so um i think they're going to have to rely heavily on that defense and uh, hope that they can just at least play mistake free football on offense where they're not giving up any short fields with, with turnovers and all that so that's kind of my take i you know i i i think they are uh, a good bit better uh defensively than they had been the previous two years and and not as good offensively but uh Given the, where the rest of the SEC is right now, I, I still give them a chance to be able to get through Atlanta and get to the playoff, uh, even though, like I said, they, uh, they, they've lost their mulligan. Brad, when you look at college football, because you, you sat in a, uh, a seat uh, on the perch of analyzing numbers and you know what it takes to win a championship. Certainly you've documented that in the dynasty by the numbers when you look at Alabama. Is it fair to say that it's harder now to win at a level that Alabama fans expect? And they get mad at me when I say I think we need to reevaluate 
the standard because the standard's always been winning a national title. But when we look at the challenges of college football, the transfer portal, NIL, to me there's more parity in college football than we ever have. The expansion of the playoffs is coming. It, it's just I feel closer to the NFL. Any given Sunday, anybody can beat. The worst team can beat the best team. Not saying that's where we're at in college football, but we're certainly taking some steps in the right in that direction. Is it fair to say that it's harder to win now than it's ever been? I, I think it's fair to say that that might be what's happening. Um, I, I'm not completely sold yet because to me it's only one year. You know, I look back at sure. last year and and I I see how good Georgia was. I see how close Ohio State came to beating that Georgia team. Um, Alabama was, you know, two plays away from, uh, from, you know, being right there in the mix as usual, uh, as well. And so based on one season, I have a hard time saying that everything has changed. But if it was just Alabama that appeared to have taken a step back, I, I would say, yeah, I think you're just overreacting to what's happening in front of you. But when you look at how Georgia is, is clearly not at the same level they were the previous two years, even though they're, they're still undefeated. You look at Ohio State, uh, who's, who's already had a, you know, a couple of, couple of games that, well, I mean, certainly the Notre Dame game was a, was a major one that they easily could have lost, but they've, they've had several others where they haven't looked as impressive as, as you typically would see them look uh, against similar opponents in, in past years. And, and so those are the three that based on the recruiting, um, have the most talent. And yet they aren't dominating to the level that we're used to seeing them. And so I think there's something there for sure. Now, is that because of the transfer situation? I even hate to call it the portal. It, it, it's not, and I know uh, Saban points this out a lot. Like it, 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 it's not that there's this so-called portal where, you know, players' names are in there and they have the ability to transfer. The difference is the rule change that allows them to be immediately eligible and not have to sit out a year after sure. the transfer. That's, that's the big change. But whether it's whether it's that, the new transfer rule, whether it's the NIL, whether it's a combination of them, I don't know. But if this ends up being something that is creating more parity, then it's absolutely going to have an effect once once the playoff expands next year. Because, you know, the, the way that, that as big of a gap as there was between the top, you know, two or three teams and everybody else in most of the last, I don't know, six or so years in college football, you could have made it a 64 team playoff and, and the same two or three teams, one of them was going to win it. It didn't matter how many rounds you added. They were just so much better than everyone else that, that it wasn't going to make a difference. The way that we're looking at the, at the, you know, the national landscape this year, you know, I, I'm not so sure that it, that, that a, if Georgia is the one seed, that they wouldn't be capable of losing to an eight seed. The previous two years, no way. No eight seed would have had a chance. And the two seed didn't even have a chance against them. Forget the eight seed. So, um, so yeah, maybe there's something there, but I, th- I think, I think we need another, uh, another one or two seasons to really know for sure that that's what's going on. Yeah. And, 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 and no doubt, I think we need, as, as you said, maybe a little bit larger sample size to kind of make a, an evaluation, but it just seems like that's where we're headed. And, and initially I was kind of opposed to a 12 team playoff. But maybe it matches up with the direction of college football. My only concern, if we go to 12 teams, because depth is going to be hurt because of the portal, because of, you said, the immediate eligibility. And to me, that's where it makes the biggest impact. It's not your first string guys. It's your second, third string guys. You may not have 
that quality that's sitting there in the wings because if they believe they can play, they'll put their name in the transfer portal and they'll go to another school. As we play more games, I'll be very curious to see how depth plays a role and, and you know, if that impacts the outcome of the games. Yeah, and I, I think that's absolutely true, is that teams like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State don't have the overall depth that they used to where they could survive, you know, couple of key injuries uh like like have some starters out for the season and yet they could you know plug the next guy in and and there's not gonna be much of a drop-off whereas other teams don't experience that um but it but if you start having depth issues where you have some real holes out there that could be exploited by an opponent that's where a, a team that might be a little bit less talented overall but has a better quarterback really could have an edge in a playoff game. And and so, um, you know, you, you look around, and I don't think there's any question that this year, I mean, it's really for the first time in a while, that the best quarterbacks have not necessarily been playing for the most talented teams. And so, um, you know, this does set up to be one of those years. It's almost, it's almost too bad that the playoff, the expanded playoff, didn't start this year because because this is one of those where I wouldn't be surprised that there were, you know, six to eight, different teams out there capable of winning it um, in that format. But obviously this year, only four of them are going to get a chance. Brad, for Alabama's case, when you look at Alabama, as you look at the metrics, I've made the case because Alabama fans immediately when, you know, Brock Bowers went down, uh, you started hearing, well, okay, this is where Georgia gets a blemish. This is where, because they've got a pretty tough run right here. uh, When you look at starts this weekend against Florida, uh, they got Tennessee, they got Missouri, and I think they've got one other there. Four game stretch is pretty pretty difficult when you look at the dogs. So, to me, from an Alabama perspective, you almost need Georgia to be undefeated uh, because if to me you make the stronger case, you beat that number one team, uh, you have an argument. If you see a team that's got a blemish and they're number five or number six, you go to the line and beat them. Uh, how do you see it? Do you think Alabama needs Georgia to be well, undefeated to make a stronger case for the college football playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I think that all comes down to how many undefeated teams are there that are that are out there. Because, um, I mean, if if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, even if it's the first loss for Georgia, well, Alabama's going to get in the playoff before Georgia does. And then then it really just depends on all right, how many how many other undefeated teams are still out there that would have a case over Alabama. So, I mean, if, if you think um, that it's, it's necessary for Georgia to be undefeated going in in order to give Alabama a resume that's going to make them top four, um, I mean, maybe uh, that's, that's something that you could think about. But I, t- to me, it's one of those. Let's see, I also think about it in terms of the past two years, which is, I mean, when Georgia was clearly um, – just head and shoulders above uh, almost everybody in college football. As an Alabama fan, you would have wanted them to take a loss before the SEC championship game so you could basically eliminate them by, by beating them in that game and then not have to worry about dealing with them again in the playoff, as, as happened two years ago. And obviously Georgia won the game that mattered most. Um, but uh, this year, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, as far as the seeding, this also isn't one of those seasons where I think the seeding really matters that much. I don't. I don't think that, you know, that there's this one team that you really want to avoid, you know, that's going to be the number one seed. And so therefore you don't want to be the four seed. I, I think all that matters is just getting in. And, uh, and I just, I don't think there's a whole lot separating the top teams this year. So 
for Alabama from from where it stands right now, um, knowing that there are there are more upsets to come, I, I think I think Alabama just you know obviously needs to take care of what they can take care of, and I don't I don't think it really matters whether Georgia has a loss going into the uh, going into the SEC championship game. Brad, how do you think uh, this Michigan scandal? cheating signals because it seems like it's growing by the day as we learn more about that how do you think that could impact the college football playoffs yeah so the way i see that working first of all i cannot imagine the ncaa being able to to do something quickly enough uh to you know say that that michigan would not be eligible to participate this year i i I just i don't think that's really in the cards the, the the only way that I see this becoming a factor is if Michigan is not the Big Ten champion. Let's let's say that they lose to Ohio State and that's their only loss, or or maybe they lose at Penn State and then they beat Ohio State. But if if Michigan is a one loss team that you know for whatever reason that loss keeps them from getting into the conference championship game, they're sitting there at eleven and one, even if they've dominated every other opponent on the schedule. You know, if it comes down to a decision by the selection committee between Michigan and somebody else for the fourth spot, I can see this type of thing being a big deal. Uh, Even though, according to the bylaws of the selection committee, this should play no part at all. And and I I I think that the selection committee chair would uh, would remind everyone in the room that it's about this year's games. It's about. this year's metrics it's not about what someone's been accused of but not you know found guilty of yet and you know all those things but at the same time when you know certain things it's just kind of hard not to get them out of your head and uh if you believe a team doesn't deserve a second chance after taking a loss then i could certainly see that being a factor so uh so yeah that that's the scenario where i can see this coming into play with selection committee is if is if uh, michigan loses a game um, they are not a conference champion, and then it ends up being a question of are they more worthy than somebody else who's in consideration for that last seed? Brad, if they called you and they said, Brad, you studied the BCS, you studied the numbers, as we go to 12 teams, how would you – because I've asked you this before, but as we look at college football and some of the landscape that has changed, how would you advise them on coming up with a proper – the best metric to coming up with the 12 teams. How would you do it if we said, Brad Edwards, you're the commissioner. Tell us how we're going to get 12 teams. How would you do it? I mean, look, for me, um, I get that the majority of the college football season is played to decide conference championships, and therefore they should matter. And, And I think they always will matter to the teams that are in those conferences and, and, you know, the one that eventually lifts the trophy, um, nothing they do with the postseason can take away from that. But the idea that winning a conference championship makes you more worthy of being in a national playoff than someone who didn't win a different conference, like there, there's, look, unless, unless there's a lot of crossover between opponents, which in college football there typically isn't, then it's really hard for me to understand the logic in that, you know, winning the Big 12 makes you better than the second best team in the SEC, for example. Um, it, it just, it doesn't make any sense. And so, uh, I certainly would, 
minimize, if not completely eliminate, the significance of being a conference champion as far as getting one of the spots in the playoff. Now, I do understand that politically um, it kind of is a necessity because one of the things that they need to accomplish with the expanded playoff is to be sure that they're including some of, you know, what we would call the, I guess in basketball we would refer to as the mid-major that we used to refer to as the, the group of five, which I don't know how many conferences that entails now or will entail starting next year in college football. But, um, you know, if the belief is they need to be included somehow, then, then so be it. You find a way to do it, and maybe this is the only way to do it, is to, is to put some sort of value on being a conference champion. But I personally think if you're going to have the best teams play it off, um, you know, the conference championship shouldn't matter. That would, that would be a metric, and that, I mean, that's obviously nothing to do with math. But, um, but that would be one thing I would look at. The other thing I would do, which, which I mean, I, this is not about who gets in, but it's more about how it's played out. I, I just think they're making such a huge mistake in trying to build this whole thing around the bowl system. And we all understand why, um, that there are relationships that go way back and, and, and that's why it's happening. But if they would play all of these games before the semifinals on the home field of the higher seeded team, the better seeded team, yes. it would be amazing. Amen. I mean, can you imagine, let, let's just say the Miami Hurricanes, having to go up to Ann Arbor, Michigan in late December to play in, you know, 20-degree weather. I mean, that's the type of home field advantage that certain teams just dream of having. I mean, how, how about someone like a, you know, like a Utah or a, or a Colorado, if they were in the mix in the future, being able to, you know, play at altitude on their home field and have that edge. It's just, I, I would just love to see teams get rewarded by having the chance to play those games on their home field in front of their fans and whatever elements there may be that would give them an advantage. Um, I'd like to see that matter, not, you know, two teams both getting on a plane and traveling, you know, 500 plus miles to get to a, a neutral field and play it off in a dome. That's not bad, but it could be so much better. Well, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but Alabama just installed a new heating system and a drainage system underneath the turf that would allow them to continue to have the field conditions in the colder months. So they're preparing for, you know, possibly one of these games. Not only does it help the current time, but it also helps if the future uh, that they could make make the case as far as field conditions. That uh, I think Stanford and Alabama is the only colleges that have this new. Uh, design. I know that some of the NFL teams already have it, but uh, Alabama just did that a couple of uh, weeks ago. Brad, I'm pushed up against this break. Let me ask you one quick question here about Alabama because it's kind of the theme of the show. If Alabama could improve one thing this week, what do you think is the number one thing that they must improve if they're going to make a run at this thing at the end? Uh, if they can figure out how to stop giving up so many sacks. I mean, you know, how much of that's on the offensive line, how much of that's not, you know, reading the defense, getting the ball out quicker, I don't know. But, man, when when you're giving up as many as they are per game, that's just too much negative yardage for an offense that, that I won't say isn't explosive because it's a very explosive offense when it does hit plays. But they just got way too many plays that are already gaining close to nothing to add more that are going backward. Um obviously counterproductive, and I think that's one big thing that they need to figure out down the stretch if they're going to get a lot better on offense. 
You can go where you get your podcast. I just did it during uh, our conversation here. Gridiron, Gridiron and the Gospel, a faith in college football podcast. Brad Edwards, the veteran, and George Schroeder, who's covered college football for many, many years as he's made uh, his segue into the faith standpoint, as uh, Brad mentioned a couple of minutes ago. So you can subscribe to that. Uh, like the latest podcast, Alabama and Ohio State on a roll. USC falters again, and uh, that's just some of the things. It's usually about an hour-long podcast, so uh, uh, download it. Get it where you get podcasts. It's called Gridiron and the Gospel. Gridiron and the Gospel. Hey, Brad Edwards, thank you, man, always for being a part of our show. We always enjoy the chats, and I used your rivalry the other day, and I thought about you, man. I thought hammer and the nail, hammer and the nail. Well, it wasn't a hammer and a nail, but at least 16 out of 17. So uh, I used your phrase, and I said, i got to reach out to Brad and get him on the show <laughs> and uh, talk with you about it. So I hope all is well in but your world, man. It, it still works. Hopefully they'll start a new streak now. Absolutely. Thanks, Brad. Have a great rest of your day. Take care, Ryan. Thank you. Brad Edwards, always fun to bit a visit with him and a veteran of uh, ESPN and a guy that understands it from an analytic standpoint. I thought what he said was was something that grabs me because, all right, Mason, let me break here. I'm going to come back because something he said that just, I don't know, it just electrifies me. You know, we talk about environments inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. Could you imagine a playoff game there? Could you imagine? Because it's, it's, it's almost like it's not just a win. It's continuation of the college football playoffs. You win, you continue. Could you imagine the atmosphere, Alabama playing one of these SEC opponents inside Bryant-Denny Stadium? I think Brad's right. I know we've talked about this before, but the bowl system, we're almost catering to that group of individuals. What's best for the game? Keeping those fans engaged. We'll take your phone calls. The question is, fill in the blank. Where does Alabama need to improve the most? Brad said it's protecting the quarterbacks, reduce the number of sacks. What do you think? 205-342-9904. You're listening to Tuscaloosa's longest-running sports show. I'm Ryan Fowler. This is the game on Tide 100.9-1230 WTBC, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. Hey, everybody. It's Gary Harris. Coming up on the Thursday morning edition of the Gary Harris Show, we're going to have the coach, Ellis Johnson, in to break down SEC football. The Falcons report with D. Orlando Ledbetter and my buddy, Jeff Spiegel, from ABC 3340. All that and more on the Gary Harris Show Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 a.m. WTBC. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Attention. Art.com. As we celebrate special occasions, birthdays, anniversary, that Alabama fan in your life, it's DanielMoreArt.com. Christmas time upcoming. You want to celebrate that Alabama fan by visiting the website. All the great prints celebrating Heisman winners, great coaches, Nick Saban, and Alabama's given us so many great moments to think about. And we talk about living rooms. Tua Tungavailoa, second and 26, Devontae Smith, Heisman Heights, Mark Ingram, Bryce Young, Nick Saban, Coach Stallings, Coach Bryant, DanielMoreArt.com. Remember the code word, the game gets a significant discount. You got to put it in the game, significant discount, DanielMoreArt.com. And we would also ask when you say, where did you hear about this? We'd ask that you would select the game with Ryan Fowler. We greatly appreciate you going to DanielMoreArt.com. Com. Of course, Kitchen Mexican Food right there in Northport. If you're looking for the great specials daily, the fajitas are outstanding. The pastures dip, the appetizers, 
The fried ice cream, always a great option. It is Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food. Also, find the food truck. And we are also now serving breakfast at Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food. Stop by the McFarland Boulevard location. You can also find him in Northside, Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food with Pastor Garcia. 